Good morning, Thrive Live community. Happy 2019. So glad to be with you this morning. I took a little hiatus last week and did a little self-care day, so I'm glad to be back with you here to kick off the new year. I hope you had an amazing Christmas and fantastic New Year's. I sure did. I have a good show for you today. I am getting, I'm talking about getting back to basics with health. So we're going to kind of walk through some of the different areas that you might be focusing on for your New Year's resolutions and how to do make some changes in a healthy but also sustainable way instead of kind of you know jumping into and like whatever the resolution is oh I want to lose you know 10 pounds or something like that well I want to kind of give you some tips on how to actually make that happen and keep that sustainable and make that a lifestyle through the year this year instead of just something you try for a month and when you don't see the results and you get frustrated then you just go ahead and quit because almost all of us do that myself included so I'm going to kind of walk through some of the basics today as you dive into your new year's resolutions And if you're making New Year's resolutions, again, I'm going to kind of challenge you a bit to dig a little bit deeper and make a larger commitment to yourself in these areas that you want to change. So instead of making some just basic goals, you know, even just the 10 pound thing, well, what does that mean? What is it you're trying to accomplish there? Why is that your goal? So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you a bit to go a bit deeper and we'll kind of talk about that as we get into the health basics today. So I hope your Christmas was wonderful. I just want to kind of share with you some things that happened for me over the Christmas holiday. And that is, um, that I had my beautiful cousin, Valerie Barnes, who is just actually a couple months younger than me. She's four, she was 41 years old. She passed away on Christmas Eve day. Um, It was a big shock for us and um, a huge, huge eye-opening thing, I guess, for me, you would say, in, you know, not, not wasting the days of your life because she certainly did not. She was an amazing, beautiful soul, one of the most compassionate, loving people that I have ever known in my life. And we grew up like sisters. And let me tell you, we got into a lot of trouble growing up. I kind of wish my parents were here this week to tell you all about it. Because we we had we have quite a few stories of getting into a lot of trouble, but also just some stories of just wonderful time spent together and a lot of love in our family. So I would love for you, if you're listening to this live or if you're listening to the replay, just take a moment to send some prayer and love to her family, her husband, Daniel, and her boys, Ethan and Jesse, her parents, Kathy and Bill, and her sister, Heather, and her in-laws, Peter and Ann, because they are all amazing people. This has been a difficult week for everybody, but we are so blessed to have had her in our lives and had been a part of her life um, for these past 41 years. So lots of love to all of my family out there if you are listening or listening to the replay today. I love you all, support you all, care for you all, and so glad that you are part of my life. So I just wanted to share that with you today. And if you would just send some prayers out to our family, because um, we all still need that love and support going through this um, very difficult loss. But we love our Val and we're again so grateful that I had the opportunity to be in her life and have her in mine. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy. I'm your host and certified nutritionist. And today's Thrive in Five, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different, and that is why we need to practice emotional agility. So I was listening to this amazing TED Talk a couple days ago. Well, maybe it was yesterday. I lose track of the days where I'm watching these things because I watch them all the time. So it was from a woman. Her name is Susan Davis. She's out of um, South Africa. And she was talking about um, emotional rigidity versus emotional agility. And I thought, first of all, of course, the title caught my attention. I was like, oh, what does that mean? That sounds really, really interesting. And especially after kind of going through this loss and this loss in this last week and just some other losses over this last year, it really 
spoke to my heart at this time in my life. So I kind of wanted to share what it was she was talking about, how I felt like it relates to my life and how you can start to see areas in your life where you maybe need to make that switch from being rigid to being agile. So she threw out a bunch of different statistics on depression and, um, you know, how that's affecting people. And it was pretty staggering. And I think she was actually saying that depression actually affects more people than a lot of, you know, chronic disease that we think of. So your heart disease and cancer and things along those lines, that it's becoming one of the number one things that's being treated right now. And I felt like that was fairly significant. And I certainly do see a lot of those tendencies in practice. Um, and so what she is related it to is our inability to be agile and kind of go with the flow with our emotions. Instead, we get very rigid in our emotions, which basically means we don't express them. And I can certainly tell you this from my personal experience of, you know, years of not really expressing, you know, things that were coming up for me because I didn't want people to be uncomfortable um, and also feeling that there was weakness around having some kind of an emotion, which sounds crazy. But a lot of us certainly feel that way. There is kind of that suck it up attitude. And it's not that we don't want to do that at some point. We don't want to ever be stuck there. I mean, we're actually I was actually just having this conversation. You don't want to get stuck there. It's not a permanent thing. It is a temporary thing. However, it needs to be felt. And a lot of times we get stuck in the, you know, emotion shouldn't be felt, but instead we need to put on the persona of strength. And sometimes the persona of strength is actually being agile in our emotions and allowing those to come up. And it was really interesting. One of the things that she kind of talked about was when you push down those emotions and when you kind of, you know, suppress them a bit, it's, um, they get stronger and you have to notice them more. And so it's kind of the same thing as that piece of chocolate cake that you have in the fridge and you're trying to ignore it and you're trying to ignore it. And then the need for it and the want for it actually just gets stronger and stronger until you just have to go get the piece of chocolate cake. So it's kind of the same thing with emotional agility is that you, when you push those things down that you don't want to feel because they're uncomfortable or they may make those around you uncomfortable, when you push them down, they get stronger. You think about them more and eventually they have to express. And if you don't do it, they're going to express in a way you may not want to, which could mean that you blow up at somebody or you just have a complete breakdown, something along those lines. So we want to go through and feel the process of the emotions and feel through them. And that's emotional agility. So those emotions that come up, whether that is anger or maybe it's grief, um, you know, things along those lines that are that are very deep and very deeply felt, we a lot of times do not want to go through the process of feeling that because number one, it's uncomfortable. And number two, people around us are uncomfortable with the way that that feels. And, you know, we don't want to go vomiting that all over everybody. There's, you know, I would say a core group of people that you can share those emotions with when you need to, but we definitely don't want to be vomiting that all over people. However, you do need to feel through the emotion, even in the discomfort. And when you allow yourself to go through the process of feeling through the emotion, that's where the agility comes in. Because now as things come up in your life, because we're never going to get away from loss, we're never going to get away from, you know, feeling bad or having a bad day or having, you know, having a lot of stress in our lives. We don't get away from that. Those are going to continue to come as we get older. Um, because that's the way that life works. So being agile means that we're able to actually kind of move with the ebb and the flow of the things that are coming at us and the things that we have to deal with. So instead of suppressing the emotion, we're able to, in a healthy way, go through process and feel the emotion around whatever it is that's going on. And then we're able to come back out on the other side in stability, as opposed to when we're very rigid about something 
And because we can't control the, always control the things that are happening, we kind of control all the other things around us. And then we're not really allowing ourselves to go deeper into the things that are coming up. So we're not allowing ourselves to go deeper into the emotion. And again, it's not about getting stuck there. It's, these things are temporary. All of this stuff. And I know it's really hard to feel that way. And I certainly feel that way some days where it feels like this is just going to last forever. The pain. When the grief is going to last forever, but it is temporary. It is temporary. It doesn't mean that you, you know, kind of gloss over it, but it is temporary. It's not going to last forever. So you are going to come out on the other side of it. But if you allow yourself to go through it, you'll see that it's not going to be permanent. And I know that could be a scary thing if there's something really big going on in your life right now. And you feel that kind of, for me, it's always kind of this rumbling in my chest. Like I feel that's rumbling. I feel this tightness in my chest of knowing that I need to express and feel through an emotion. And granted, you know, you may not always be in a place where you can do that. So if you're out, you know, in public or you're at work, obviously you're not going to go ahead and go through that process then, but don't ignore it. And if you need to write it down, write down at that moment that you're feeling that, or maybe put, you know, schedule something in your alarm for later for you to sit down and take some quiet time and process it. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to cry and fall apart. It could just mean that you just need to kind of feel your way through that. Notice where it's lying in your body. You know, for me again, a lot of times when those emotions come up for me, very often they're in my chest or they're kind of like in my chest and through to my shoulders and sometimes up into my neck. And so I'll just notice where those are sitting in the body. And then I just kind of start asking it questions. You know, what, what is this? What is it? What is it that I need to learn from it? What is it trying to show me? Um, and I'll, um, sometimes just sit and think about it. Sometimes I'll write it down, but that's part of my processing through the emotion and not allowing myself to stay rigid and ignore it because normally that would have been in my pattern. And I can assure you that that being my pattern of not working through and processing emotion, not allowing myself to feel that it definitely affected my body, affected my body in my health. Um, even just in my physical health, I had more health issues because I wasn't, and part of it was absolutely not processing emotion and being very rigid and feeling that I need to hold it together or I need to be the strong one. Um, so that other people around me, I can pull them up in strength and there's good things about that idea, but there's also some unhealthy things about that idea in that, you know, I'm almost kind of giving all my energy out to keep everyone else strong by saying that I'm going to be the strong one. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But I get that all the time. You're so strong. You're so brave. You're so courageous. Um, and all those things are true for me. But there's also that other side of, you know, the vulnerability and the pain and the grief of going through things like the most recent loss and feeling my way through that and understanding and being OK with that. I think that's the other thing that we have a hard time with is just being OK with those emotions. And I know that's kind of what she's speaking to as far as rigidity or agility. So because we're not okay with the emotions, um, we become very rigid in them. And so we'll only allow ourselves to feel to a certain point. Um, but when, again, when you're, when you're agile and things come up that you need to process and move through and go through, um, you're able to do that in a much more healthy way. And now sometimes you might need help doing that. Doesn't mean you have to do it all on your own. You might need help doing that. You might need family support or friend support, or you might need therapy support. And all of those things are very beneficial when they're needed and necessary. But you also need to create space for yourself. And this is something I've definitely learned over this past year is that you need to create space for yourself and whatever that means um, in order to process and go through these emotions. Because again, you don't want to be, you know, kind of vomiting on everybody else. And I thought there was a really great um, saying that I saw recently was that um, 
you need to stop bleeding on everybody who didn't and all the people who didn't cut you. And I, I felt like that was really very, a very powerful statement in that if you're being very rigid in your emotions, you are going to do that. But if you're agile in your ability to process and move through emotion, you're not going to do that because you're processing them yourself. You're giving yourself the space. You're um, bringing in the appropriate people to help you go through that. And your processing will be faster. And again, it's different for everybody. There's no set rules here. There's no, you need to get over something in, you know, in two weeks or you need to get over something in six months. Um, but the kind of the focus should be with the agility and I always think of agility like in the sports context is being very agile, is able to move really quickly, able to adjust, able to make you know decisions on where you need to move. If you're like, for me, it was on a volleyball court. So um, being agile meant you know, watching what's going on on the other side and as things are coming, you know, as the ball's coming back over the net, having the agility to move to the appropriate spot so that you can deal with the situation that's coming up. So I can deal with the volleyball as it's coming over, whether that means like hitting the floor or jumping up in the air or, you know, across the court though that to me is how I kind of see agility so I see that as the same thing with you know the things that you're dealing with in your life and again those things are always going to be there we're always going to have that stuff coming at us so if you allow yourself to learn the tools and so like just going back to volleyball I had to learn the tools and the skills of how to move appropriately I had to learn the tools and the skills to be able to see what was coming at me and learn how to respond and react appropriately um, so that I could you know be a defensive player or an offensive player whatever it was so it's kind of the same thing in your emotional health as well so it is having the tools and you might need to build these. You may not already have these. I think all of us to some degree have to build the tools for emotional agility, um, but you build the tools so that you're able to process what's coming from the other side, the things that you can't control. Like, you know, on a volleyball court, I can't control what the other team is going to do. I can watch what's happening and I can decide, you know, based on what I'm seeing and how things are being set up where I might need to move. Um, but I can't, I can't control that because they may do something totally different at the last minute and then I'm going to have to adjust again. So they're never, it's never really just this one set way where you're going to know exactly what to do. But if you are agile enough, like I would have been on the volleyball court, I was agile enough to where if someone did something different at the last second, I could make an adjustment appropriately, hopefully to keep the ball from hitting the floor. So same thing emotionally, if we are agile enough and we are allowing ourselves to process and go through emotion, when things come at us from the other side that we're not necessarily expecting, or it comes or something happens in a, in a way we see something coming, but then it happens in a way that we're not anticipating, we can make the adjustment because we're agile. We can move so that the ball doesn't hit the floor. So the same thing, you know, in our emotional life, we can move so that we don't hit the floor, but we're able to actually build ourselves back up because we are able to make an adjustment in time enough before the ball hits the floor. So emotional agility, I think is a really wonderful thing to think about. And again, you can go watch her Ted talk, Susan Davis on YouTube. It's absolutely fantastic. It's only, you know, of course, Ted talks are about 20 minutes long, so it's not a super long one. But her explanation, I think, is very eloquent, much more eloquent than I was probably giving you today, but very eloquent and very, um, I think, very timely for where we're at um, in society and culture right now, as far as just, you know, creating more connection and being more agile in our emotions. So I thought it was fantastic. I hope you will go listen to it because it was a really a wonderful talk. So next, Health 101, breaking down the basics to get you back on track for 2019. 
Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Hope you all are having a fantastic morning. I am already because I've already got to spend some time chatting with great friends. So it's been a good morning for me already. And now, of course, I'm here with you. So in the first segment, I was talking about emotional agility. And now we're going to be talking about Health 101 Basics. So this is kind of your agility for making it through this next year with your health goals and making them sustainable. Um, so they're, they're not just kind of the, you know, you're in, by the end of February, you're already off to the next thing or you know you're you have all these great ideas in your head but you don't feel like you're able to kind of implement them so I'm going to talk about back to basics you know health 101 how to make some good sustainable changes you know things for you to be thinking about and again not being too rigid with yourself you know it's good to have some discipline when I talk about being rigid here I'm not talking about not having some discipline and not keeping yourself accountable and not making a commitment to yourself but you may have to make some shifts and adjustments over the coming months as you put these things into place based on what's working for you and what isn't working for you you know the timeline might not be working for you so maybe you need to make some adjustment there or maybe the time of day you're if it's working out that's your goal maybe the time of time of day isn't working so instead of just quitting well when's a better time let's implement something different you know maybe you want to do a meditation practice and you're just not able to do it in the morning so well what time of day can you do it let's make an adjustment instead of just giving up that is being agile going with the ebb and the flow as opposed to being very rigid and if it doesn't work this one specific way then we just give up and move on to the next thing So I want you to be successful in your goals this year. So I'm going to kind of walk you through some of the different areas that you might be making some changes in and kind of talk about, you know, some of the basics of it. So not again, not getting too specific and not getting too rigid, but some general things that you can start paying attention to um, that can have huge impacts without having to be too terribly restrictive on yourselves. Okay. So food, of course, is almost always the number one thing that people are making changes at at this time of year. They're, they're. You might be, you know, saying I'm going to throw out sugar for the year or I'm going to go on, you know, the keto diet or I'm going to get, do paleo or I'm going to do primal or I'm going to become a vegetarian or I'm going to do vegan. Whatever it is for you that's coming up, you know, this is probably the number one thing besides working out that people are starting to do as we move into the beginning of the year. So let's talk about food for a moment here. So When I talk about diet with people, I don't talk about diet as in like, okay, we're going to talk keto diet or we're going to talk Whole30 or something along those lines. I'm just talking about food. One of the things that I have seen in time over practice is the kind of switch from just wanting to make some dietary changes to becoming very obsessive over food to the point of now we have um, the a new eating disorder. It's not super new, but an eating disorder called orthorexia, where it's uh, basically like eating clean obsessively. And so I do see some of this happen where we're so obsessed with eating the right thing and, and not eating the wrong thing and what time of day we're eating and what we're eating and when and making sure everything is super clean and super perfect so that we don't have the opposite effect. So instead of saying what we don't want, number one, so we, you know, a lot will say, you know, well, I don't want to gain weight. Well, instead, let's kind of flip that around. Well, what do you, what do you want? Do you want more energy? Do you want to feel better in your clothes? Do you want to, you know, be able to breathe better? Do you want to be able to move better? So kind of flipping that around, it says, I don't want to lose weight. What do you want to accomplish? Because we want to focus on what you do want as opposed to what you don't want. Because again, where your attention goes, your energy flows. So we want our energy to flow into something that is going to be productive and beneficial as opposed to something that is not necessarily productive. So 
And I know that's not always a super simple thing, but something to start working on. So when it comes to food, I basically look at it as eat real food, number one. So regardless of, you know, diets or restrictions or anything like that, number one place to start is making sure that you're just eating real food. So let's talk about what that means. So real food for me is anything that grows in the ground, walks on the ground, flies in the air or swims in the ocean. So we're talking about meat, vegetables, fruits, um, grains, beans, things along those lines. Those to me are real food. So it's not packaged, it's not processed. Although of course, when you're buying meat in the store, it's going to be a package. So, okay, you might have me there, but you want to look for things that are in their real whole form because those are going to have the most benefit for you. Again, the body does not just run on calories. We don't just need calories in calories out. It's, it's more complex than that. And we're not going to dive into complexities because that's not necessary. It's more of the body runs on nutrients. So when you you're putting whole real food into your body. You're putting nutrients as well. So you've got your macronutrients, your fat, you know, uh, protein, carbohydrates, and you've got your micronutrients, which are all your, your vitamins and minerals. So your body runs off of all of that. And so all of that is necessary for things to function properly. So when we talk about real whole food, that's why, because those things are what make the body run. When you don't have those things and you're just putting a bunch of very processed food into your body with maybe synthetic vitamins added into them, your body is not going to function as well long-term. Um, and again, that's different for everybody also. It's not going to function as well long-term because it's really not getting the things that it needs to function properly. So number one is eating real whole food. So when you're sourcing those kind of foods, of course, a farmer's market, if you have access to one in here in Houston, we have lots of farmer's markets. So farmer's markets are fantastic. You can get lots of wonderful vegetables. Most of the time they are, are organically grown. I would recommend always asking how they're grown. Um, and also pastured meats. Um, again, I would ask the farmers um, how they're raising their cattle, how they're raising their chickens, and give let's see what their explanation is there. And if they're open to it, it's always great to be able to run out and see the farm and kind of see how the operation is run. Because that just kind of tells you that, yes, they're doing what they say they're doing. There's a lot of integrity there. And we have some farms that have absolutely wonderful integrity around here. So that's a great place to start. But if that's not an option for you, when you're in the store, I do recommend buying organic meat as much as possible. They're not, that does not mean pastured. That does not mean cage-free, okay? Organic just means that they are, in, for meat in the store, that they're being fed a veget- or an organic diet. So they're not being fed any kind of you know crappy stuff. But they most likely are still warehoused. Um, they may not be caged, but they are still going to be a warehouse, and, it, and they may not have access to grass. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Beef is a little bit easier to get grass fed in the store. Chicken, usually you're not going to find that. They're just going to be organic and warehoused. Um, but again, you can always go to a local farmer's market and you can look online too. Butcher Box is a great one. Um, I think it's grass fed meat. Um.com is also a good one. And there's one more that's escaping my mind right now, but you can also look on thrive.com. Um, so that's thrivemarket.com. You can look there. And then there's Wilderness Family Naturals is also another great source for stuff like that. And there's one more, Wise, Cho- Wise Choice Market, I think is the other one. They're going to have some options like that. So those are some places that you can look if you're wanting to do, if you're not wanting to hit up the farmer's market, but you're still kind of wanting that level of quality. So in the store, again, you're going to find organic beef. You can find some grass fed, which is fantastic, but chicken, um, pork, turkey, you're not going to find organic almost at all in the grocery store. Um, 
as far as like bacon and things like that goes, one of the questions I always got asked about, what about bacon and sausage? I do recommend Applegate Farms. Um, so Applegate is a, is a fairly decent source that you can get in the store if you're not able to get um, from the farmer's market. So that the the ultimate option is to buy the organic. If, you're, if you feel like, you know, right now that's not really in your budget, then you just want to look for no antibiotics, no hormones, you know, no steroids, things along those lines. They're all going to be vegetarian feds, which means that they're being fed grains. They're not out, you know, foraging for what whatever it is that they forage for bugs for in the case of um, your chickens and then um, cows eating grass and those and alfalfas and those type of things. They're going to be fed grains. So their bodies are not going to be as healthy as if they were eating their natural diet, but it's still a better option than just straight conventional, which means they're caged, warehoused, you know, usually in very, very stressful situations that does change the nutrient content. It increases the cortisol levels in the meat. So it increases the steroid hormones in the meat, even if they're not being pumped full of hormones, it does change it. So that just kind of gives you an idea of, you know, good and best. Um, but I would try to stay away from conventional as much as possible. You do get what you pay for. So I recommend paying a little bit more money now for better quality food, because otherwise you will probably be paying it to doctors later. So start with food. Um, instead of the docs. Although we love our doctors, we don't want them to be taking care of us long-term. We want them for just those moments where we need them. So that's as far as the meat go. Um, when it comes to fruits and vegetables, I do recommend organic as much as possible, but you do not need to buy everything organic. So when it comes to organic fruits and vegetables, that basically means that they're not being dosed with a bunch of nasty pesticides and things like that. Um, they are still usually grown in what we call a monocrop system, which means that it's like one crop per, you know, however many acres, which is not the natural way things are grown. So there is, there can be some difference in the nutrient content, even in organic, but it's still better than conventional, something conventional. Raised. And again, you're not getting the pesticides, insecticides, and things along those lines that do cause damage and inflammation in the body. So when it comes to purchasing organic fruits and vegetables, I recommend looking at environmental working group. So that's ewg.org. Um, they have what they, they put out what they call the clean 15 and the dirty dozen every year. Um, this is updated. Sometimes it's updated more than once a year, but they do put this out um, every single year. And it's going to tell you the dirty dozen is kind of those top 12. Sometimes they, they throw a couple more in there. So it's 12 to 14 of those fruits and vegetables that are the highest dose in pesticides that you do always want to buy those organic. The clean 15 are the ones you can absolutely buy conventional. You do not need to buy those organic. So that really helps with budgeting purposes, knowing you don't have to buy everything organic. And then if you download their app, that EWG, I think, I think it's called the dirty dozen app. Um, and it's available on any kind of smartphone. So download the app and that's going to give you the dirty dozen and the clean 15, but it also gives you all the in-between. So I think it's a list of like 50 fruits and vegetables. So for me, I kind of go like one through 20, I'll buy those organic and then 20 to 50, I'll buy those conventional. So you do not have to buy everything organic, um, if, especially if you're concerned about budgeting. But again, I just want to tell you, you do need to, you know, kind of what you pay for is what you get. So the more money you spend on higher quality foods like that now, the better off it's going to be for your body in the long run. So um, Dirty Dozen app or EWG.org. They're also great if you're looking at skincare. Um, they have a whole skincare line where you can kind of, you can actually plug in the skincare that you're using and it'll kind of tell you the cleanliness of it. So it'll tell you, it'll, I think it's like a rating of maybe like one to five or one to 10 or something like that. So it'll actually tell you how toxic those chemicals are that are in those products especially for ladies out there because we put so much product on every single day. So that's a really good place to go and look for a product. Um, the other one I want to talk about is healthy fats because there's like a lot of confusion about 
purchasing fats and that fats are still bad for you. Fats are not bad for you. They're really important. They help with the, you know, the structure of all of our cells. They give it a nice, wonderful, healthy rigidity um, to the cell structure. Um, it's good for our brains. It's good for our hormones. It's good for our cholesterol levels. Yes, it's good for your cholesterol levels if you're buying the right ones. So the ones you want to stay away from are the vegetable oils and your margarines. So when you see the shelf full of yellow oils in the store, your corn oil, your canola, your, your soy oil, and all I don't know that they actually have just plain old soil. Um, those are the ones that you want to stay away from. They're very heavily processed at very high heat. Um, and very high pressure. And what happens in this process is that the chemical structure is changed and the product is actually damaged and rancid at that point. So one of the confusing things like about canola oil, for instance, is that because it has omega-3 in it, it's considered the heart healthy oil. Well, the problem is is that Omega-3 is a very, um, it's not a very stable oil, especially when it comes to heat and pressure. And in order to make canola oil, it comes from the rapeseed, they have to put it under tremendous heat and tremendous pressure in order to extract the oils out. And they're also going to a lot of times be using other chemical petroleum-based products like hexanes and things along those lines in order to process, um, to go through this process. So the very high heat and the very high pressure damages the omega-3. So they are no longer health supportive, but they are actually health damaging. So that's why I don't consider that a healthy oil because of the processing of it. So same thing with margarine. Um, so margarine is chemically only a few molecules away from being plastic. So we don't want to put plastic into our body. Again, we want to go with real whole foods. So real butter is better. Butter makes everything better as far as it's concerned, just kind of like bacon. So you do want to use real butter as opposed to margarine because real butter, of course, is basically just cream that's whipped up until it becomes solid. Um, whereas the if you look up and you could actually go to Google and type in the production of margarine and um, look for an image and it'll show you the step-by-step -step process of margarine. So it goes through a winterization process. It goes through a de deodorizing process because it smells really bad once they get to the end of it. It's actually kind of a gray color. So they have to put coloring into it for it in order for it to look yellow. So it's really pretty gross. So we want to go with real whole food again. So butter instead of margarine. Other healthy fats that are wonderful, olive oil. Um, not all olive oils are created equal, so you do want to look for something, um, I think, in the store. I think the California brand is good. There's another one that I can't think of the name of. It has like a yellow and black label on it. But you don't want to go for the really cheap olive oils. Go ahead and spend a little bit extra. Import doesn't necessarily make it a better olive oil. Um, but that is something you want to look for. It needs to be in a dark bottle because the olive oil is also, um, it's sensitive to light because those omegas, again, are very sensitive. Um, so a dark bottle, first cold pressed, is what you want to look for when you're buying an olive oil. Um, coconut oil is another fantastic oil. I know there's been some stuff in the news lately saying that it's not good for you. They tried this back in the seventies and basically, you know, said that coconut oil was bad. Um, and that was actually, I don't know about this round of, um, research and testing that's being done, but that round was supported by the vegetable oil industry. So you need to know when you see a report like that come out, I always say, 
where's it coming from, who's paying for the research, and who is supporting this being put out, because that might tell you why they came up with the results that they did. But coconut oil is a medium-chain triglyceride. The body uses it as a fuel source, so it is not a um, something that is stored in the body. It is also really wonderful for the brain, very supportive of hormones, but again, it's a, it's a fabulous fuel source, so it's very good for you. It's also great topically as well. It's really good for your skin. So coconut oil is fantastic. I like to use avocado oil. It's pretty heat stable. Um, you'll see that now in stores quite a bit more. I think pretty much all the stores carry it now. I like to use it because it's number one, it's heat stable, but also it just it doesn't have any flavor to it. Where an olive oil and a coconut oil is going to have some flavor to it. Avocado oil is pretty it's pretty neutral, so you're not going to get a lot of flavor off of it. So you can cook anything in it. So I like that as a great healthy fat. And of course, avocados are great for you. So avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil. Those are the things I would gravitate to first as far as your healthy fats go. And then of course you could always bring in real beef tallow, you know, duck fats, um, chicken fats, you know, lard thing, real true lard things along those lines are also very healthy for you. My favorite resource for that is fatworks.com. They put out a great product so you can buy that online. So those are some of the things I would look for when it comes to your purchasing of food as you're starting out this year. Again, it's about starting with just real whole food and not necessarily getting super restrictive. I do occasionally recommend using like a whole whole 30 diet for kind of a reset, um, but it just depends on where somebody's at and if that's something that they're able to bring in where it's not going to be so restrictive or also become an obsession. So you need to know where you are with food so that we're not bringing in obsessive, you know, obsessive ideas. Um, a lot of times the diets, you know, the diet world ends up not working for people because of number one, our relationship with food. Um, it's usually not about the food itself. It's how we're thinking about the food, maybe patterns of behavior we've had since we were little kids in using food as a comfort or, um, using it food as a self soothe. So if you grew up in an environment that just maybe didn't feel safe and then you maybe have gravitated towards food for a self soothe. So it's really more about understanding what your relationship with food is as opposed to the diet itself. And then again, a step further. And if you're doing something like a reset, like a whole 30 or something like that, what I would challenge you to do is instead of just doing the diet, um, listen to your body during the process of doing that particular reset. I'm going to call it a reset instead of a diet. So a lot of times diets don't work because we're focused on the food and the restriction of it and what you can and cannot have when we're not listening to the body itself because the body will tell you what it needs. So as you go through, if you're choosing to do one of these, um, listen to your body during the process. And again, not don't just do the diet. What is your body telling you that it needs? Do you notice moments where your, your energy is maybe um, really good? Do you notice moments where your energy is sort of falling off? So where maybe you need to just adjust when you're eating. Or maybe you need to bring in a little bit more food. Maybe you're under eating. That's a really common thing with these diets, that you're not actually eating enough. Notice if your sleep is not is we're going to talk about sleep here in a bit, but notice if your sleep is maybe a little bit off. So you're not able to fall asleep or in the mornings you're feeling really groggy. Um, notice if you're getting headaches. Notice if um, you're just kind of feeling kind of sluggish all of the time. Notice if you have some brain fog and you're not able to focus. 
All of those things is your body telling you it's either not getting enough of something that it needs, or maybe we're restricting too much somewhere else. So that is my challenge to you on the diet side is don't just focus on the diet itself or whatever it is that you're you know removing or whatever reset you're doing along those lines. But what is your body telling you during the process? You might want to bring in a journal during this process and you know just kind of write down what you're eating. I call it the food and mood journal. So write down what you're eating. So like if you're doing a three week reset or something like that every day, write down what you eat and write down if you notice any changes in how you're feeling during the day. And again, that could be physical. It could also be emotional. Maybe you're, you know, a little bit more moody than normal, or you're feeling a little down, or maybe it's that you're feeling fantastic. That's also good too. We want to notice when we're feeling really, really good because that's a sign that your body's saying, hey, yeah, whatever you're doing right now is working for me and I'm really happy with this. So that's kind of what I would recommend doing on the food side if that's your resolution this year is to number one, what food are you putting in your body, making sure it's real whole and very well sourced, and again, listening to your body. So when we come back, how stress and sleep basics could be the key to your healthiest year yet everyone. Welcome back. Happy 2019. I cannot believe it is actually 2019. (laughs) And that next year is going to be 2020. It just doesn't seem possible. It just doesn't seem possible. I feel like I just graduated from high school. And no, I'm not going to tell you when that was because I'll totally age myself. So today we are talking Health 101, breaking down the basics to get you back on track for 2019. Um, In the last segment, if you missed it, I went through and kind of talked about food. So what is real food? you know, how to pay attention to your body and using those kind of tools. And I gave you a few different resources, things you could look at, you know, if you're purchasing food and kind of, um, you know, different ways to do that, even an app that you can download to help you purchase food better. Um, You can go back and listen to that on the replay. It was very good and hopefully gave you some very good information on how to incorporate real food and not just diet into your 2019. Because again, we want this to be sustainable. So diets are typically not sustainable for many, many reasons. Um, usually because there's too much restriction. And again, when we get into too much restriction for too long, we do, we can possibly tend to get into some nutrient deficiencies and the body runs on nutrients. So in the long term, it can actually be more detrimental and more difficult to stick to than understanding what real food is. Number one. And number two, listening to your body. That is the absolute number one key for basically any kind of change that you're going to be making. So I want to talk about um, stress and sleep here for just a minute and then give you a couple tools there um, to help you make those more sustainable um, in you know dealing with them. So y'all know I talk about stress on the show quite a bit um, because it's number, one of the number one things that I see a problem with um, in practice. And I've certainly seen that in my own life. Now, stress can be good and bad. So we don't want to just say, oh, stress is terrible and we need to avoid it at all costs because that's not, number one, it's not going to happen because it's completely impossible. It's more, again, about that agility we talked about at the beginning of how we are moving with the ebb and flow of stresses coming at us. And so that we're just better able to, we're better able to deal with them. We're better able to, we are more agile in making adjustments into how those are coming at us. So stress, of course, when we're under a lot of stress, though, there's that kind of the quick stress where um, it's not chronic. So the quick things that happen and we're able to deal with and move on. But then there's the chronic. So the chronic is when things are kind of building up day after day after day and we end up just kind of feeling crushed down by the weight of them. Although at the same time, we're almost kind of building a resilience and this is not in a good way. We're building up some, maybe resilience isn't the right word. We're building up 
um, are just our, kind of our ability to deal with them. But again, not really in a healthy way. So we're building up and building up and building up. But the problem is, is that the body is now dealing with all of that buildup underneath, even though on the surface, we might feel like we're, you know, maintaining, okay, the body is actually starting to break down. And so we can see the body breaking down in maybe you're tired more often, you're not sleeping well, um, your digestion is really off, maybe your hormones, your hormones are off, you know, ladies, you might see, you know, changes in your cycle, whether it's making it worse, or sometimes you're skipping cycles. And so hair falling out and things along those lines. So those are signs that your body is under stress in some way. Now, it could be that it's something external. So it's an emotional stressor, or, you know, a job stressor, a relationship stressor, um, whatever it might be, or it could be some kind of an internal stressor, like your digestion is not working properly, and that causes stress on the rest of the body. So When it comes to stress and how your body responds, of course, when you're under stress, your body produces stress hormones um, for you to be able to deal with it. And those are very necessary and actually very health supportive when they're when it's happening as needed. Our problem is that because a lot of us are under that chronic stress, that those stress chemicals are happening all of the time. And that's where we start to see the breakdown. So like cortisol, for instance, is a weight gain hormone. So if you're under stress all the time, that's why I say, if one of your goals is weight loss, you can't just look at food and exercise. You also need to look at where your stress is coming from and how you're managing it or not managing it. Because getting that stress down can help you you know, kind of release the weight at that point. So it's something you really need to look at if weight loss is your goal. So that's kind of how the body responds. And then of course the mind responds as well. And so we might be going down rabbit holes. So that's another whole aspect that we need to address because of course we can turn on the stress response simply by how we're thinking. So if we, we can create a whole scenario in our head and our body is going to respond appropriately. So we might see, you know, our blood pressure go up. We might, you know, start to breathe more shallow. Our, our pupils might dilate. You might feel your, sh- your shoulders kind of come up towards your ears. All of those things kind of happen. Um, during a stress response normally, but we can, of course, create that just with our own brains. So how we're thinking also is part of our whole stress response that we need to be working on or at least be paying attention to. Again, going back to paying attention to how your body feels throughout the day with the food that you're putting in it, notice how your body feels throughout the day with the thoughts that you're putting in it and what thoughts you are allowing. And again, it doesn't mean you need to be so hypervigilant, but at the same time, you do need to pay attention to it, you know, and especially if you're going down rabbit holes and you're not able to get yourself out of it, um, that is going to create further health problems down the line. So how your body responds. So then your, your stress levels can absolutely affect your sleep. So a lot of you might, I I've used the term on here a few times, the monkey mind. So at night when you're not able to fall asleep and you've got all of this stuff rolling through your head and we call it the monkey mind that you're not, you're not able to kind of turn it off in, you know, get ready to rest for the evening. You know, sleep is such a critical component, just like all these other things I'm talking about. Um, because your body repairs itself overnight. So there's the rest and repair portion of sleep where your body's kind of doing its cleanup work. So it's going in and cleaning up the trash kind of. So it's moving things out. It's even in the brain. Our brain's kind of cleanup system is way, way more active at night. It's called the glymphatic system. And it's about 10 times more active at night than it is during the day. So it's our cleanup. So it's going in and cleaning up all the debris and moving it out through the lymphatic system. And 
those things all happen while we sleep. So if we're not sleeping, our cleanup system doesn't work right. And there's other things going on there too. But that's one I like to point out because when our cleanup system isn't working right and it gets kind of bogged down and we start getting toxic, um, that makes it harder to lose weight also. So again, another reason why sleep might be the reason that you're not able to get those extra couple pounds off if you're eating a super clean diet. If your sleep is all messed up, that is definitely contributing to it. So you, when you, and, and then, of course, when you become toxic, so you're not able, our body stores excess toxins in our fat cells, so we're not able to release weight as fast. We might be getting sick more often, so our immune system might be going down. That might also cause some disruption in our hormone function, so now we're going to add that on top of it. So you can see where even just not sleeping can have this kind of a domino effect on health as well. So all of these things are important. And again, that doesn't mean we need to be hypervigilant about all these things, but it does mean that we need to be paying attention, especially if we're not feeling well. If we're feeling well, we should also pay attention to what's making us feel well because we kind of tend to not really notice until we don't feel good. I know I have certainly done that many times. I'll kind of just ignore the signs my body's telling me until I just like get really sick or something along those lines. So we do want to notice when we're feeling well and the th- because those things are working. So those are the things that we want to try to maintain. And again, as you, as we get older, even with every single day, there's an ebb and a flow. We want to be agile. We want to be able to adjust and change and not be so rigid. And even the food that we're putting in our bodies, you know, making sure we are eating at, you know, eating certain things at certain times of the day, we may not need to be that rigid. It may actually cause more problems in the long run for us to be so rigid when on some days we might need to eat a little bit more. Some days we might need to eat a bit less based on what we have going on that day. So for sleep, the body runs on rhythms. So it has rhythms overnight. You might've heard of the circadian rhythm. So that's your rhythm overnight and it runs on different rhythms throughout the day. So those rhythms help our hormones to be in certain ways. So like our cortisol should be coming up in the morning and melatonin should be coming up at night. And a lot of times what we'll see on test results is that those, especially cortisol, even more so than the melatonin, that the cortisol is either super, super high in the morning and then crashes out or it's almost like flatline and it's really not doing anything at all. And so that is telling us that that rhythm is off. So we not only need to address what's going on with the adrenals, uh, but we also are going to need to address what's going on with the sleep. Are we not getting good, deep, restful sleep where the body is able to repair itself and be on an appropriate rhythm? So your sleep tells a lot about what's going on. You may wake up in the morning and feel really sluggish and really tired, like you could just sleep for another 10 hours. You don't want to get up. So there... Again, there might be an issue with the adrenals. There might be an issue with how, um, what kind of restful, deep sleep you're getting overnight, how much sleep you're getting. You know, I know we say that eight hours is kind of the rule. For some people, it's going to be more and some people, it's going to be less. So that's not, again, we don't want to be too rigid there either. Um, But you might need to play around with that. You might need to play around with when you go to bed. You know, getting into bed between 10 or 11 every night is a really good um, goal just because of the way that your rhythm is going to then be set up overnight. Being asleep at that point kind of sets your body up to do all the processing that it needs, especially the cleanup process, the liver process, all of that. It just kind of puts you in a right place. So that could be maybe a good goal is to try to get to sleep, get to bed and get to sleep between 10 or 11 every single night. You know, assess your energy levels throughout the day. Are you, again, sluggish in the morning? Do you have like a mid-morning crash? Do you have a mid-afternoon crash? Are you, you know, you get home at, you know, let's say by seven or eight o'clock at night, you're falling asleep, you know, in the armchair watching television. 
assess your energy. And I'm not saying that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe you're just tired because you worked all day. But if you notice that your energy levels are ebbing and are not really having a good ebb and flow, because you are going to have some natural up and down through the day. Um, but that could mean that there's a blood sugar issue. So your blood sugar could be kind of all over the place. So we want that blood sugar to be nice and even keel. So that might come back to you, making sure that you're eating real food all day long. So you see how all of these are a bit interconnected here. There is no one system in the body that works in isolation. Everything works and synchronicity. So all of those things need to be kind of, you know, running on all cylinders and that's what we want. And again, if you have a day where you don't feel particularly great, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we have this idea that if we're not just in this perfect, perfect condition every single day, that there's something really wrong with us. So that happens once in a while. It's not a big deal. It's when it's consistently happening um, that that's that's the body saying, "Hey, there's something there's something going on here that we're not able to repair. There's something that we're missing that we're not able to repair. So we're missing sleep. We're missing certain nutrients, whatever that might be. And so the body's just not able to kind of kick itself back into gear. That's when you want to do something a bit more. I don't want to use the in, word invasive. Maybe a bit more aggressive um, in correcting that issue. But for the most part, we want to keep it simple: eating real food moving our body, and I know I didn't really get to talk about that, looking at our stress, how agile are we when we're working with stress, and then looking at our sleep patterns. Are we getting to sleep at the same time every night? Are we waking up roughly the same time every morning? How do you feel when you get up? Are you able to fall asleep at night? All of those things make a difference in your long-term health. Now, again, there might be a night where you decide to stay up until one in the morning. That's okay. (laughs) But it's the consistency of the other day-to-day of when you're going to sleep and when you're getting up. That's going to make the difference for you in the long run. So if that's one of your goals, then you need to put some practices in place to allow yourself to do that. And don't beat yourself up if you've been going to bed at midnight and now you want to go to bed at 10. I would not jump from midnight to 10. I would stair-step yourself back, even maybe just like 15 or 20 minutes a day, do that for a couple days. So maybe if you're going to bed at midnight, you go to bed at 1145 for a few days and you go to bed at 1130 and you just stair step yourself back. Cause most people, if you try to go to bed at 10, when you've been used to going, used to going to bed at midnight, you're probably going to lay there for a couple of hours. So it's better to just like, you know, kind of tick that back a little bit than to go and jump all in. Another thing you can do for both stress and sleep, if you're having issues falling asleep at night, if you've got the monkey mind going on, so where you've got all of the stuff, you're going through your day tomorrow, is to get out a piece of paper and write it all down and get it out of your brain. Because if you can get it out of your brain, you've got it all written down, so you're not going to forget it. And then it's there for you when you get up in the morning, and then you can go into the planning process for your day. So get it out of your brain, get it onto some paper, and that can help the monkey mind kind of calm down. If you like to journal at night, I highly recommend that for stress and for sleep. Um, Because again, you're getting stuff out of your brain, you're getting stuff out of your heart, and you're getting it onto a piece of paper. And that just allows you to go through the processing process of not dealing with that, you know, in your sleep overnight. So instead, you can get it out on paper and go through it then. And I do recommend as part of that journaling process, and even if you're not writing it down, you know, go through at least three things before you fall asleep that you are grateful for. Because the act of being grateful, so bringing up what we would call an elevated emotion of gratitude and being grateful, actually can completely change the body's physiology. It's crazy. So when we talk about those stress chemicals, the the chemicals of gratitude are much more life-supporting than the chemicals of stress. So even just the simple act of thinking of a couple things that you're grateful for in the evening actually can change the physical, again, change that physiology, calm the body down, calm the nervous system down and allow you to sleep better. I know that sounds crazy that it's something that's that simple and that's a practice. So that's not just something like, Hey, I'm going to do this tonight and all my troubles are going away. You know, that's just part of the practice of making sustainable changes through the year. So again, 
I saw, I don't know what I was watching, but it it was uh, another video on something and he was talking about, you know, when we go, we've made the decision that we're going to go to the gym for the next 30 days and every day we look in the mirror and we don't see changes. So we end up giving up. So same kind of thing with like journaling and meditation. We might start the practice and we're not seeing results right away. So we just give up. But the thing is consistency. Instead of saying, I'm going to do this for 30 days, why not commit to yourself for the whole year? Because I guarantee you by the end of the year, if you make these changes in your food, in your emotional agility in how you deal with stress and how you sleep and how you move your body and meditation and journaling if you so choose to do that. By the end of a year, you'll see the changes where in 30 days you may not. But if you make yourself make a commitment to yourself that is much deeper, as I challenged you in the beginning, go a little bit deeper. Why are you wanting to make those changes? Don't just do the diet. Listen to your body. So if you do this for a year and commit to yourself for a year, that's when the change is going to happen. And that change will set you up for a lifetime of health. So thank you all so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to be back with you for 2019. Have a fantastic weekend and I will see you all next week.